And ladies and gentlemen, we are live. It is Tuesday, June 20th, the great year 2023. And this is the Voice of the Reason podcast brought to you by Logitech Remote Controllers. My name is Sean Phillips. As always, I am joined alongside my co-host, Mr. Andy Van Beber and Travis Kirkendall. Gentlemen, how are we doing this evening? Well, I don't know if I want to be remote controlled by anything Logitech makes right now. I mean, given the situation of those poor folks in that submarine. You know, I think that's been the, like, aside from the death of at least five people, and hopefully they are found, um, the worst press that anybody's getting right now is Logitech. Like, (laughs) people are absolutely shitting on Logitech. (laughs) Which, you know, here's my thing. Mm. Travis might also be able to attest to this. I actually had a great relationship with Logitech growing up because whenever you needed a new PS2 controller, right, the the PlayStation, the Sony brand was always like crazy expensive. But you know who came in clutch for about $9.99? Logitech. Logitech. Were they the ones that made those? Yes. I I don't. Yeah, they, they... I, if I'm not mistaken, I'm. It was Logitech had like a. They go. sold the alternate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they sold the alternate, um, like remote controllers for for PC, and I'm fairly certain they did PlayStation Two, um, controllers as well. They definitely did like PC. I had a, I had a like a, a white Logitech. PC controller for whatever, like I played PC games because I, I just wasn't good at the keyboard. Um, but yeah, if anyone has been getting shit on, it is Logitech. Logitech. Oh my like, gosh, those, poor, those guys are screwed. I I watched, uh, so I watched a video of the, I'm, I'm sure everybody has now, of the, um, of what the inside of the of that submarine looks like and how big I mean first of all an 8 hour trip inside that little sub submersible is not happening with me because one thing I have I deal I have a hard time dealing with is claustrophobia if and if you've looked at the the inside of that submarine I would you venture to say is probably what maybe 50 square feet at best it's not much. I saw a video of it. And then they have the little bathroom in the front where you pull the curtain and went in the bathroom. It was a it was, it was a, a box. hospital piss jug. Yeah, and man, I so I saw the I from what I'm hearing uh, from from uh, BBC and from New York Post uh, just posted uh, a few about an hour ago. So they've got thirty what they believe to be 30 hours left of air left in this thing. And, you know, I am, I am beyond, first of all, did you catch what the name of this, of the submersible is? Titan, right? The Titan. Okay. So I, if I'm exploring the Titanic, I don't want to have anything. I don't want to be going down on anything that has, the Titanic name in it, you know, I don't, but this, the, this thing, this thing that they're good, that they went down in, you know, it takes, they said it takes four hours to go down and four hours to come back up because I guess of all the, what do they call it? The, you can get the, what is it? The bends or whatever it is. If you come up, if you surface too quickly and the, the pressure on the outside of your skin versus the pressure on the outside of the boat and all this other, but some of the, the, uh, BBC re- or New York post released, uh, the five people who were aboard this submarine, uh, Brit- it was, a uh, a British billionaire who had actually went up on one of, um, what's his name's, uh, spaceships. Um, why am I forgetting the name of, uh, Bezos? Yeah. No, it, uh, uh, the guy, the uh, t- Twitter guy, Musk? huh? Musk. Yeah, he, he's been up on Elon one. Of e- he's been up on one of Elon Musk's ships. One of Pakistan's wealthiest men, retired, and then a retired commander in the French Navy who led, who actually led the first expedition to the Titanic ship. 
Hmm. Um, they said the, the vessel lost contact with the support ship on Sunday, an hour and 45 minutes into descending to the wreckage. And they had made it 12, you know, so it's 375 miles off the coast of Newfoundland in the North Atlantic, even in this time of year. The, the temperature in that water is not, I mean, it's not warm. And you're already, you know, they lost, they lost track of them after they were like at 12,500 feet. So, you know. That's a long way down. Well, and so the guy, so one of the guys, so the, uh, so this one guy, Hamish Harding is among the missing. He's a, he's a British millionaire, billionaire. Um, he actually went with Buzz Aldrin to the South Pole. Holy cow. Um, you guys are some adrenaline junkies, huh? Well, yeah. So he said, uh, that th- he was on his third Ocean Gate expedition. So Ocean Gate is the... He's actually the, that's who gives these tours. And I guess you guys have heard that he, this is a $250,000 ticket to go down on one of these things. Yeah, it's not cheap. And so, and then you have, okay, I'm going to try it. Shanzada and Suleiman Dawood. Uh, Good enough. Yeah, uh, Dawood is 48, his son's 19. He's the vice chairman of Pakistani Energy Manufacturing and Tech Conglomerate Engro Corporation. Uh, then Paul Henri Narjalo, who's an experienced deep sea diver. Narjalo 77 is also aboard. The, he he led the first expedition to the Titanic wreckage in 1987. So this so this thing okay. So here's the dimension. This thing's 22 foot long. And nine and a half foot tall. That's how that's how big this this submersible is. And they, yeah, I mean, it looks like a. You're pretty much right, Sean. It looks like a Logitech little. Yeah, he's got the little remote control. Oh, yeah, it's all that. And yeah, he's like, yeah, well, this me. is how we control the whole thing. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm reading. Go ahead. Go ahead, guys. What were you gonna say, Travis? I'm reading this thing here about this ship. So I'm just going to read this part of this article. This blows my mind. It's unclear what kind of internet connection was available on the ship, but OceanGate tweeted last week its 2023 expeditions relied on Starlink satellite internet services to communicate. Without GPS, the Titan is guided underwater via text messages sent by the surface ship above them. However... It might not work unless the sub is directly beneath the ship. So right off the bat, their navigation is sketchy right there. It's based off text message. That blows my mind right there. Yeah. <laughs> it is not equipped with an emergency locator beacon that might help rescuers find it, either on the ocean floor or once it's risen to the surface. The submarine is also bolted from the outside, so those in it would need rescuers to get them out. They have to unscrew the bolts from the outside. So it's a, it, this thing just sounds like a death trap to me. Like there seems like there was no like contingency plan if something was to go wrong. I mean the fact that I, I don't know that's just crazy. Here's you a couldn't pay me two hundred for, for those who are, are watching us live. Here's the here's the 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 picture of the ship. Um, I love it's a five inch thick outer wall five inch thick outer walls. It's powered by four electric thrusters, two vertical, two horizontal. There's no seats for the passengers, so you're sitting, according to this thing here, you're sitting, you know, crisscross applesauce there. And then the rear section is unmanned and contains oxygen tanks and electronics. So... How would they even rescue them? Like... Pick him up with a rope or something, well, like send down a rope. So, I mean, like you're not unbolting that thing on the underwater. Well, and you're not gonna bring an impact driver. <laughs> yeah, here's the thing. So last night, Pierce Morgan on um, CNN International did an interview with a. He did an interview with a, a a reporter who went down on one of these, on one of these uh, things before, and he was on there when they. So 
these, if you lose, like you said, Travis, if you lose your internet connection, you, you lose your, all your, your, your GPS and all your, because your GPS is basically funneled in from that internet connection above. And so if you get off course and so they were, they were lost for like three hours and then they found themselves, they, they found the ship, they got to the Titanic and then the ship somehow got wedged in between the screws in between the props of the Titanic and could not maneuver in and out. And so for three hours, they're sitting there with no contact to the surface. And this reporter's like, okay, this is, this is the end for me. And this guy, and he broke down in this interview on Pierce Morgan. And to me, I mean, if you're going to go out, <laughs> I don't know. I don't paying two hundred and fifty. I don't want to see that Titanic that bad. I really don't. Well, I mean, when you're that far underneath water, everything's pitch black. But can you imagine that just being in like a little metal box underneath water and it's just pitch black around you? There's nothing. There's nothing around you. That is just insane. I, I don't know, Sean. Would, what when you when you start making your millions, are you going to be lining up to go down on the Titanic for the Titanic? Um, uh, no. Um, I fucking hate water. Yeah, I hate water. Okay, I absolutely hate it. Um, this is one of those things where I'm happy to say it'll never be me. It'll <laughs> absolutely never, ever, ever, ever be me. Um, I just, I don't know. I'm not the subject matter expert, very clearly. But there's like a lot of different safety precautions that you would think would be taken into consideration when it when it comes to things like this. Like the only person um, that I know, at least that's been like publicly like successful that went down um, by themselves was uh, like James Cameron. James Cameron did like a dive, like the lowest dive ever. And it was on this like. Tiny, tiny, compact yeah, little thing. And he, that, had lay, you know, he had to lay on his belly, too, when he, he operated that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. There's, like, certain levels of thrill and, and junky shit that I'll do, but that is not one of them. I am totally content with going to the Titanic Museum, watching the movie, and looking at the pictures online. I have no need to actually go to the Titanic. Um, I mean, it just sucks. I, you know, that's just... Uh, it's one of those things that's like, yeah, it's a cool story that could be told, but at the end of the day, like the risk reward of, of going two miles underneath the yeah. ocean and what looks like uh, a lunchbox is just not for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. For two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I mean Do you think they'll get their money back? That's the highest. I hope this company's ready to get sued to oblivion. Well, I, they're going to get sued so oh, bad. Oh, I guarantee. But yeah, but don't you think that they're? Well, I, I'm pretty they're, sure that like the owner of the company was in the sub, like he was the one navigating oh, it that's and right. yeah. operating it. Yeah, the guy that did that. Like, but I mean, like did probably the they signed the liability waivers. Like, they, they had to. Oh, they had 100%, to. Hundred percent. Yeah. But even then, you know, the family's going to sue for like loss of, you know. But, I don't know. It's a shitty situation. I. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, in doing, and I tell you what, so, and I'm, I'm not a Titanic junkie. I mean, I will. You said the movie, Sean. That's three hours of my life that I will never get back. I've never <laughs> attempted to rewatch that movie ever, nor have I ever flipped through the channels and said, "Hey, I'll watch Titanic for a few minutes." But in doing some research, and wait, wait, hold on a second. I, I need to debut the, this too while I'm at it. So I'll go ahead and put this on. So here you go, hey, the tinfoil hat. My my wife made this for me from after last week, but after 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 last week, so she she made me a tinfoil hat so I could have that for just such an emergency. But um, <laughs> that during the Cold War, when they found the Titanic, actually, what they the guy who found the Titanic was also was being supposedly being paid by the CIA to look for some two downed nuclear Russian subs that had crashed on the bottom of the sea of the North Atlantic. And he found the subs, and it was, according to this guy's 
you know, it was, oops, hey, we also found the Titanic too while we were at it. So, and I thought that was, I was like, really? Really? I, how come I've never heard this story before? But I thought that was kind of interesting. But, and now this guy is. <laughs> what a coincidence, considering like how, just how giant the ocean is of all the spots you happen to find the Titanic. You know, it's just, that's crazy. I mean, well, and don't you think. Don't, <laughs> pretty specific. Well, yeah. You, I mean, you have to. I want to know, though, why don't. Why, and this is something that we should we should uh, ask our good old buddy Matt Furcus about, since he's a he's a submarine guy. I, I believe he's a submarine guy, right, Sean? Or is he is Furcus a submarine guy, or is he a regular? I I feel like he's been on a sub before, but I think he's just on a warship now. But you know, I mean, the some of those guys who and I'm trying to think who the other we have another Clopton grad who I'm trying to think who it is right now. I know for a fact he came and visited me after he came out. He had spent six months under the Arctic cap or something like that on one of those nuclear subs. And I'm like, okay, how do you communicate with the surface? And, you know, it's like communication. You would think that the technology to make this ship, well, I shouldn't say that you've got your Logitech and you're just going down on a game controller. But wouldn't you think that this thing would have a powerful enough I mean, I, I guess I don't understand how undersea, underwater things work to where you can't, I mean, does communication to radio waves not work the same way underwater as they do above? Because, I mean, when I you... I doubt it. Well, you've got planes that travel 30,000, I mean, your commercial airliners are 30,000 feet up in the air, you know, you're six... I mean, you just my experience with radio frequency, you'll have interference just... In pure minute. daylight, so I can only imagine what underwater what water would, would do. do. Yeah, yeah, it can't be good. I mean, obviously, you're, we're hearing how they were losing Wi-Fi and they were barely able to get text messages to each other. So, I mean, I, what does that tell you? I would want. I would want. I again another piece of technology. Give me thirteen thousand feet worth of tether rope or something that attaches me to the ship. Yeah, I just there's there's so there's like so many things that could have so... I feel like that just could have prevented this, you know? Oh. Like just a rope, like you said, just like a good like, <laughs> give me a tether, you know? give me a you know I don't know. Uh, I'm 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 you know got the old Titanic here in the background here, but I I have no I have, I I'm kind of like Sean. I'm like there's no way that you could say hey let's go let's go on this thing. Um, but, uh, that was the other thing that, that, that reporter was saying in his interview last night, he said, you know, if they lost contact an hour and a half and they departed on Sunday, he said, there's a good chance that, and this guy said this last night, the guy says like, there's a good chance they're already dead because you know, we were, I mean, he said when we were lost for three hours, you know, when we reestablished radio contact, you know, he said, if they lost an hour and a half into the you know, they've already, they may already be dead. And that's, and that's, that's, that's sad to, to say that. But like, I, I, what's confusing was like, okay, they lost contact. Like, we obviously don't know what happened. So I'm just speculating here. Like, was it a loss of like, did they not navigate it at all? Like, could they not just go straight up? Like, as soon as they like, okay, we don't have anything. Let's just go to the surface. Did they not have that ability? Or like, is there a logic controller? Like, you know, go to crab on them. I don't know. Well, and that's the thing. I'm because you're on any on your normal submarines. What you have is my working understanding, and it's not a very it's a very basic understanding of how submarines work. When you have your what they call those ballast tubes that fill up with air to raise it up and lower it. You know, when you look at and I'm actually looking back at and they show these ballast tubes that are on this submarine. It's a ballast tube that basically. As I'm looking at it, it looks like PVC pipe. I mean, something that resembles PVC pipe. And, you know, the ones that are in these, that are on these submarines are, you know, probably six to eight inches wide. And when you release the pressure on those and you just, you can go, I mean, your descent is going to be, it's going to be not just like bullet fast, but 
I'm looking at these tiny little pipes and I'm not thinking that there's, <clears throat> that if they release the pressure on these, on these pipes, that it would, who knows? I, to me, it's, just, it's, it's, I can only speculate. Well, there's a lot unfortunately, of, unfortunately, five people might've probably lost their lives for it. It's, it's terrible. And well, the last, what was kind of bad was the guy, the, the, the guy Harding, who was, uh, the last text message that he sent out said, Hey, we're headed out to, to his wife. He's like, Hey, we're headed out tomorrow. It looks good. The weather's been bad. So they've been waiting for this. So, you know, it, that's another thing that, you know, you, you don't know what, what, what we're looking at here is, is that what were the what kind of conditions did they take when they were getting inside this thing? I mean, was it rough seas? Was it war? You know, so anyway, that's speculate. before we, before we move on, I just have to read this one last thing. That's just interesting to know. Mike Reese, a producer and writer for the Simpsons boarded the vessel known as the Titan last summer. He said that passengers were required to sign a waiver that mentioned death three times on the first age jesus yeah so i mean oh that's a whole bunch of no for me that is a whole bunch of no yeah i let's see here yeah so this is as as mr as the submersible made its way to the titanic mr reese said it was carried off course by underwater currents the compass was acting very weird he recalled and the team knew only that they were about 500 yards from where they should have been. Still, the Titan, which could spend only three hours on the ocean floor, managed to arrive at the wreck within, with roughly 20 minutes to spare for what Mr. Reese called a quick photo op. He was able to see the sunken ship through the porthole, which he described as the size of a washing machine window. The wreck was the biggest thing in the world, he said, but you're in such darkness you just don't know where it is going to be. So again, this, this, this vessel has made successful trips to the titanic yeah. before but like just mentioned there it pretty much accidentally found the titanic and was kind of it sounds like lucky to get up i mean i don't know what could be me and, and, and like you said travis it's unfortunate because about five people you know lost their lives and and for what instagram it's crazy. It seems like I don't know like the full like history of both, but it seems like space travel is becoming more safer than underwater expedition. <laughs> and what insane. what yeah, is? I remember, I'm 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 wondering to see which of these like you know space billionaires are able to actually like do the first legit like commercial kind of flight into space because I know there's a couple. Obviously, Elon's been working at it for a while. Who's well, the, Elon's um, more. Who's, Elon's more for like trying to get like. Who's the? He's trying to go like moon and like work with NASA. Who's the? Right, uh, right. But Bezos is trying to do is Blue Origin, which is like commercialization of flights up in. And yes, the guy. Who's, who's another company the too? I know. Virgin. Virgin yes. Mobile. Yes. That's, that's the one. Yeah. Um, Virgin Galactic, I think, or something like that. Virgin Atlantic. That's exactly what I'm. Atlantic. Oh beard on he's got a beard, white hair. I want to say it's like Richard Madden, but I don't think no, that's it's right. Richard. I think it's oh goodness gracious. I'm pretty sure it's Richard. Travis. Yeah, or Richard, it's it's Richard or uh, Virgin Galactic is a space flight company founded by Richard Branson. 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 Virgin Branson. Group yep. conglomerate, which contains eleven percent stake. Okay, blah yeah, blah blah. Yeah, so I know they're doing a commercialization yep. of it, and so is Blue yep. Origin. Goodness gracious. I uh, will not be signing up for that one. You know, would you sign up to go to Mars? Would you want to be the first people to go and have Mars? You know, I, I on my top ten list of favorite movies, there's there's two movies about Mars, and it's Mission to Mars and The Martian. Two of my two of my favorite in my top ten favorite movies, and both of them, you know, have a there's just it's not like say, Hey, we're going to point a ship, go up into space and point towards Mars. You know, the, the whole thing of you have to leave within a certain, cause you're a lot of this is, well, 95% of it is done by gravity, you know, and which way your propulsion and you're going to avoid hitting, you know, whatever. And there's too many, to me, there's too many variables that there's a risk in space travel. They got to like time it. 
they got to make it through like the great filter and like just crazy. And then like they have to plan like a flight after that to get them enough food to last them. There's got to be like two flights. It's it's crazy. It's crazy that that's even a discussion. There's there's too um, there's there's too much. There there's. I'm too, all for it though. That's cool. Well. Yeah. I I can't. I, I I wouldn't do it, but I support what he's trying to do. It's. I. Why not? It's like it's like the it's like our greatest president ever said it. We're not going to the moon because it's how did how did how Kennedy, Kennedy said it? Say it? Uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to the moon because it's hot or something like that. How are you yeah, on this Kennedy yeah. accent? Yeah, I I don't. <laughs> I, to me, to me, there's. It takes a different, like you said. I mean, the guys who go to, I had so one of my, I'll I'll end with this story. So I had a friend, I had a college guy who I went to college with. The guy was, he, I mean, the guy is just an IT, just one of the brainiacs of brainiacs. And this guy did a, he worked for the uh, whoever it is that does all the exploration down on Antarctica, and so he did one. See one six month season down in Antarctica, and he said, "Hey, I'm in this film on Amazon." I, I was like, "Really?" I said, "How long are you in it for?" He said, "Oh, about a six sixteenth of a second. You can see me." He said, "But he said you ought to watch this documentary on you know Antarctica, and you know, and he was down there. I was like, "What was that like? What was he said? Miserable." He said it was great money. He said it was some of the best money that he's ever made in his life. He said, but there's no way I'm ever going back again. He said, it, and it just takes a special kind of somebody just to say, hey, I went to Antarctica. I've been to Antarctica. I've done. But again, there's that risk. Why Why go? Because. You got to flex on social media. It it's, like, it's like the people that continue to go to like Mount Everest. You know, like. Why? why? There's a. There's just a good chance you're gonna die, like a, or a decent chance you can die, like because allegedly, I guess, like the line to get up Mount Everest, like when they do tours, like it's so long that there's like some people lose oxygen and they suffocate just waiting for a chance to, to go up to the peak. Yeah, and I know that like it's not as bad as like what some of the online things will say, but for the longest time, it it was quite literally part of the map like to go up Everest was marked by uh, dead bodies that had just been there. Um, there was a guy, I think his name was like red boots or orange boots. Um, hold on. Dead body. And, and that's just like, uh, yeah, green boots, green boots. It was quite literally just this guy, uh, Swang Paljor, who was dead and he had been in a spot. He's, he's since been removed um, but for the longest time was quite literally just like, ah, that's a dead guy that's, you know, along the way. And if you know, you're, you're you see him, you're going the right way. And there've been like multiple <laughs> different, um, oh. explorers that that's happened to. But now like Everest, if you've seen photos of Everest recently, like there's just hundreds of littered, like tents just on, on this mountain peak because people, will get up there and time is too short. They don't have time to pack their stuff up before oxygen runs out or their window to get to the peak. So they just ditch the stuff and they get to the top and they, and they leave. So it's becoming like a junkyard. You know, it's crazy with that. And I know we're getting off topic, but I wanted to share the story because it goes off of that. Uh, Mark Twight, he was a, he's a retired alpinist now, but he, there's a story they, they had, like it was a four man, no, three guys. Yeah, it was three guys. They were on a uh, expedition. I forget what mountains they were in. I think they were in the Himalayas, and uh, they started like um, a storm came in. They weren't expecting, and they were like it turned into like an emergency. And one guy was having oxygen sickness. The other guy was uh, having hypothermia. And he said the only reason they survived, he's like they lost like in the the storm, they lost like their rope and shit. And like he's like that was it. Like I thought we were gonna die. The only reason they survived is like mind you, they're going on like two days, no sleep, barely any food, like like trying to figure out how to get off this mountain. The only reason they survived is because they found a dead crew that had a bag with a rope that from the, that tried oh. to climb it before. And they took the dead crew's rope and that's how they got there. Those alpinists, dude, are a different breed. 
It is insane what those guys do. I wonder how much those little guys, those those little, what are they? The Nepal, the the Nepalese men who the Sherpas or whatever they're called that go up those. Yeah. Those guys yeah. got to be making bank to be able to do that. I, and you know that the whole time they're just like, man, these fucking idiots. Just, <laughs> yeah, it's every day for them. It's yeah, they're like nine to five. Hey, well, do you fucking crackers or start to phase out while we're up there? I hope you know, like, I got shit to do tomorrow, so I'm going back. Like, I, we're on my time. Talk, TikTok, yeah, I, let's go. Yeah, I, I don't know what's what's worse between like thinking of trying to go to space, trying to go to the bottom of the ocean, trying to go climb Mount Everest or uh, going to Antarctica. I think all of them just sound like Sean. Oh. And what, what what do you guys do? Of those four, what's your option? What, what, what are my choices again? Commercial flight into space. Mm-hmm. Go see the Titanic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go to Antarctica or uh, Antarctica is probably the, definitely I'll, the safest bet. I'll just shart my pants and sit in my bathroom. Thank you. Uh, I'd say going to space. I mean, to me, if I, if I, in this sense, you sound, think that's safer than going to Antarctica? Yes. You're, you're going to be the teacher on the, well, the Challenger. You know, yeah, they, have like yeah. tourists, they have like tourist boats that go down there for people, right? Like well, it's a commercial. Hunt. Yeah. I'm, and, <laughs> Well, you know, I, I follow, uh, and it's Bryson. More power to you, man. Bryson got me to follow on Dude Perfect about three years ago, and I've been following him forever. And Dude Perfect had a, they got a sponsor to send one of their guys up into the, up on one of Musk's, you know, thing. I mean, it looked, I mean, it looked to me legit. And I mean, they've apparently got it down to a science to where it's not as much of a, of risk, I guess. I don't know. I just, if I'm going to choose, if I'm going to choose. I don't choose, know, man. I just feel like I've seen way too many space shuttles blow up mid flight. Yeah. Yeah. For me to just be like, I, I don't know. I, it's the same thing, though. It's like that. Do you guys remember when Red Bull did that thing where that guy got on that yep. space balloon? Yep. And, and then just a, free, free dove out of the thing yes. into the atmosphere? Awesome. Like, we watched Travis, that. would you do that? Would I do that? I don't know. Or were you uh, a, were I, you I was, were you ranger? No, no, but I I didn't do anything. But he was airborne. He was air. You were That's airborne. Totally as well. different. <laughs> <laughs> you are falling out of a perfectly good airplane. There's a difference between yeah, you twelve hundred feet and thirty thousand feet. Twelve hundred feet yeah. is still twelve hundred feet of absolutely fucking not is what it is. <laughs> oh my yeah. god. Let's try to make the great segue from that into the other cluster fudge that happened this week, which was uh, the Secretary of State going to uh, try to patch things up with our, our brethren across the sea over there in, in China. And uh, man, did we, did we come out smelling like a pile of turds on this one? The... Uh, <laughs> The whole so the whole idea. This was our secretary, which I this guy's name, our secretary of state, Anthony Blinken. Just as a side note, Sean's this thing's not an alien. God. Yeah, not an alien. But do you did you guys ever did you ever watch that um, uh, Mel Brooks movie called Robin Hood Men in Tights? No, are you saying he looks like one of the characters? No, but the, so there's a character in this guy, there's a character in this movie whose name is Abe Blinken. Mm. A-B-E, and then Blinken. And so they called him Blink, and they, he says, you know, they're always like, hey, Blinken, did you say Abe Lincoln? No, but see, when I see this guy, Anthony Blinken, and I'm just like. It makes you think of that. Yeah. So if I just go with Abe Lincoln, you know, just first, but anyway. So our Secretary of State, that's an ADHD moment right there, but our Secretary of State, he meets on Monday with a Chinese president to quote-unquote stabilize deteriorated Chinese ties. And, you know, his, his main goal was, hey, let's get our militaries back on the same page. 
And uh, Xi Jinping, who is Chinese president, is like, you know, okay, no, we're not ready for that yet. Um, and they're not ready to go back, you know. But some of the other things that was was discussed was Taiwan. And Taiwan, we have never been a huge fan of the independence of Taiwan, unlike some other oceanic countries like Australia, who has We've been, I mean, I think we've been talking about that since we started the podcast, right? I mean, it's been a topic a few times. I mean, how Australia is ready to go to Taiwan's aid. Um, But basically, Blinken came out. What, when was that? Did you send that to us yesterday or today, Travis? That was today. It was today. That basically, Blinken basically just said, you know, we're going to, you know, hands off and they can do whatever the Chinese can do, whatever they want to, to the Taiwanese. And we're, we're trying our hardest to really mend this relationship with China, especially in the, in the face of what's going on in the Ukraine, especially with what's going on, you know, and other, in basically the China's China's building a relationship with these OPEC nations, with Brazil, with uh, Saudi Arabia, and China is making itself into a major player in the game as far as a, you know, I guess we we can go ahead and use the term superpower, right? I mean, is that is that is that too far out of is that too far out of stance to use the term superpower when it comes to China now? I mean, no, absolutely not. They're one of the big game players in the game. And so, you know, and we, we've talked about, excuse me, we've talked about this before on this podcast about how China is, has tried to, you know, kind of broker a deal between Russia and the Ukraine, more favoring Russia than the Ukraine. And during this whole, this whole ordeal, we've been more spectators than anything else. Of course, I guess it was, I forgot who Sean or Travis sent out a tweet right, like right before the, before our podcast tonight that, you know, we, we overcalculated or we over, what, what was it, Sean, that was over $62 billion? How did that, what was the? 6.2. They, they, $6.2 billion um, was, they, they accidentally sent, um, they they had an unaccounted six point two billion dollars that was sent to the Ukraine, and that was that was reported by the Pentagon, I guess this yes. af- this afternoon. I mean, if mm-hmm. you, and I liked I read some of the comments underneath that is like if you're an accountant for a major a major uh, company and you have a six point two billion, you're you know you're getting fired the next day. But you know this whole the whole move with China over Taiwan is kind of the thing that's overshadowing this whole this whole meeting. And, you know, Taiwan has been a question mark. And I'll throw my history teacher hat on just for a brief moment, and then I'll let the guys discuss this. For those who don't know the history of Taiwan, Taiwan has always kind of been this, I guess the best way to describe it is kind of like a redheaded stepchild in uh, the South China Sea, Okay. And it is a, during World War II, it was, it was taken over by the Japanese. It was occupied by the Japanese. After World War II was over, we signed a, we signed a treaty. I believe it was called the Treaty of San Francisco that basically, you know, we're going to, you know, be, we're going to allow this to be handed over to the Chinese and we're going to do the quote-unquote de-Japanization of this island, and we're going to educate these people, and we're going to stand by them. And this was under, uh, and you had, and basically at the time, you had both Mao Zedong, who had fought the Japanese in um, China during World War II, and you also had, um, oh, uh, Chiang Kai-shek, who was the quote-unquote leader of China at the time after World War II is over. So now you have communist Mao and you have Chiang Kai-shek. Well, we're standing by Chiang Kai-shek, even though this guy was the biggest douchebag that you, I mean, he was hard on his people, you know, 
known for for you know genocide and killing people and all this stuff, but we stood by him because hey, he's not communist. And when the when the Chinese Revolution occurred in 1940, as the tensions, you know, everything happened in 1947 through 1950 in China, Chiang Kai-shek basically flees to Taiwan, where he basically sets up this this group called uh, it's called the KMT, uh, the uh, Kuomintang. Sean, keep your comments to yourself. The Kuomintang was this. Basically, they called themselves the Republic of China, okay? And they considered themselves, we are the rightfully recognized people of China. We are, we should be the only ones who are, that should be recognized. And this went on, you know, during the Cold War, we really didn't recognize the People's Republic of China, Communist China, as the proper, you know, they were the enemy. And that went on until about... I think it was 1972 when Nixon went to China. And then at that point, the UN started having friendly re relationships and having friendly discussions with China. And then what ends up happening then, Chiang Kai-shek says, okay, if anybody who, anybody who allies or, or works with China, there's no friend of ours. And so at that point, Taiwan had pretty much cut themselves off from the rest of the world until uh, Chiang Kai-shek's death in 1975. 1975, then they turned it over to his son and this other guy. And then they, I mean, then you have, and I'm not going to go into all this, but there's a series of tensions between, there are these, these, these little skirmishes between China and Taiwan, and the Taiwanese Navy had blockaded Chinese ports, and they had all these problems. You know, fast forward to where you have now a, a Taiwanese elected, you know, they had their first democratic election, elections in, 19, I think it was 1996, and now they are, quote-unquote, democracy. But this KMT, who originally started the government in Taiwan, is still a party within the Taiwanese government. So there is a, not to say that Taiwan is totally innocent of anything that could be, that could happen, but I mean, they're, they don't, they don't have a clean, they don't have a very clean past. And what's bad about this is, you know, the people of, you know, if you go to Taiwan or go to Taipei, the capital city of Taiwan, you're going to find friendly people. You're going to find, and they're just people trying to to uh, live their life. And every time, like the last time, the last American, strangely enough, the last American diplomat that or di American official that visited Taiwan, anyone, 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 Nancy Pelosi in 2022. That's right. Okay, and that. if you guys remember when she visited, the People's Republic of China did missile test missile launches that went over Taiwan and landed on the other side, you know, pulled a little North Korea action on them there, you know, and just kind of reminded them, Hey, we're still. And so there's, and there, and there are political parties within Taiwan that want to unite that are friendly towards uniting back with China. But yet by this time now you've had two, three generations of Taiwanese people who are like, Hey, we like this independent stuff and we don't, I mean, they they call themselves Taiwanese people, but they're Chinese. I mean, that's just all there is to it. And so, as I look at this, you know, what are, I, I I titled tonight's episode, you know, the 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 comparable life of the U.S. and the Titanic. You know, are we are we a are we a country now? I mean, with Blinken going to China, what kind of what kind of setup is this? I mean, are we? Do you, and I, I don't. I know. I know that people are going to be mad. I don't. I probably won't sit, put this one out on 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 our reels this week. But I mean, are we? Are we kind of losing face in uh, in the world community, and China's kind of gaining face? Or how do you guys? What do you guys perceive here? I don't necessarily think it's. I mean, we kind of had that discussion with the Ukraine thing about like. And 
the Chinese president went and talked to Putin and uh, was kind of talking about how they were going to make a peacekeeping deal, which obviously that never happened. Um, but I think with this, and we were talking about this before the show started, V, was I had read an article where Blinkton, Blinken, how, is it Blinkton or Blinken? Blinken. It's I, like Abe Blinken, okay. but just take off okay. the Abe. <laughs> okay. Um, he also made the comments, one, he was talking about, like, like you know, like, he went into the interview with low expectations, and, you know, it, it kind of seemed a little optimistic, so there's a lot of work to be done between U.S. and China relations. And we have the U.S. also saying, and he said clearly, the U.S. does not support Taiwan independence, which we, I've kind of did some look Googling while you were talking, and all of, which is funny because like all of my like normal Google stuff was like everything recent saying the U.S. does not support Taiwan independence. But when I went to DuckDuckGo, I got some more interesting things, and some of it was saying like it's kind of been like the U.S. has been kind of vague. We wouldn't directly say we didn't support Taiwan independence, but we would say that we don't oppose it either. And they would say things like, I think Biden made a comment in 2021. It's like, look, it's Chinese, Taiwan independence is up to Taiwan. And he, as he was, he had stated, I think. And what, what that means exactly, I don't really know. Um, but it wasn't as clear. We're being more like clear about our stance now, which to me, it seems like we're kind of backtracking a little bit. Um, but even now, because what there was, what was it, 2022, Biden said it, he was in Japan and he said that, uh, if, China was to invade Taiwan militarily, the U.S. would intervene. Remember that? That was yes. like a year ago. Yes. So now we're saying this. So Blinken says very clearly that, you know, the U- U.S. does not support Taiwan independence. And then I was telling you, uh, I guess Biden was at a charity event in California. I don't know if this was today or yesterday, this but he today. called. I read that article today. But, yeah, That's but today. then he calls the president of China a dictator. And it's like, here we are talking about trying to improve relations. And uh, granted, I'm not a, a fan of China's president by any means, but like, it's just, it doesn't seem to align with what we're trying to do. On one hand, you're telling them not to, we're trying to work out, a, I'm assuming we're trying to work out of a deal with Taiwan, and yet we're calling their president a dictator. That doesn't really help our case with relations very well, name calling. Um, but Blinken also made a comment that the U.S. would be greatly concerned, is deeply concerned about Chinese military in Cuba. What I think is trying to happen, I think we're trying to make a deal where maybe there's like a treaty or some backdoor agreement where basically China pulls any military personnel they have out of Cuba or they agree not to keep moving forward with it, whatever it's going on. And in return, we let them do whatever they please with Taiwan because it's only a matter of time. Taiwan is going to get invaded. I mean, I've been reading articles for the past two years now about how China's increasing their military presence. They're increasing their drills. They're getting, they're pushing the boundaries more and more and more with these drills. It's only a matter of time. And I can tell you right now, Australia is not going to do anything about it if the U.S. gets involved. Japan's not going to do anything about it unless the U.S. gets involved. Nobody is going to make a move on China taking Taiwan unless the U.S. gets involved. I do not see the U.S. getting involved militarily in this. Well, and quite that, frankly, I don't think we can afford to. Well, and that's why I, I asked, you know, two things. Should I want, we? To, uh, to, okay, so two, it's, thing, it's, two, two things I want to bring up here. Number one, so the poll question this week was, what do you believe should be the number one priority of the United States government going forward into the future? I put on uh, world peace, solving the op- o- opioid crisis, securing our borders, the economy, term limits, and our our good friend Alex Elson added space exploration, strangely enough. 62, yeah. 62% of sixty-two percent of the of the survey went to the economy. And I, I've and this is an a this is an age old and my second point is this this is an age old discussion. Okay. How much of a presence should the United States have with the rest of the world? You know, we became we became seriously involved in world affairs, starting with, uh, you know, we kind of kept our nose clean of world affairs off and on, but it, we really started getting our, our, our hands dirty with the presidency of Teddy Roosevelt. You know, McKinley, kind of the Spanish-American war over Cuba, okay? 
And then Teddy Roosevelt comes out there and he, he, it, he, he, he introduces this, this thing called the, the Roosevelt Corollary to another document that basically was called the Monroe Doctrine. Anything in the Western Hemisphere, okay, is business, is, you know, European nations stay out, okay? And the Roosevelt Corollary pretty much said, hey, we're going to, we're going to come to the aid of anybody in the Western Hemisphere, okay? Then fast forward to Truman, okay? Truman, the Truman Doctrine said, any subjugated people in the world, we are going to, anybody who's under, who's under influence or under attack from an outside force, we will come to their aid. Of course, that was during the Cold War. And so pretty much from Truman on, it has been the policy of the United States for us to stick our nose in in places where we think that we need to have a dog in the fight, whether we have any, whether it's a territorial or alliances or what, or anything else like that. Of course, there's other places that we're not involved, that we should be involved. You know, my go-to has always been, I've said on this podcast before, the mess that is going on in the Sudan. That you want to talk about news that's not talked about is what's going on in the Sudan and how there is mass genocide and how there are teenage girls who are taken from their schools and who are exploited and who are trafficked and by, you know, the Sudanese government. And we're not, but yet here we are. They have evacuations going on, but that's really it. Yeah. Why, why do we, why are, you know, this, this thing we're we're trying to kiss China's butt. We've always tried to kiss China's butt. Why? 1.2 billion people can't be wrong. You know, I think the underlying the underlying factor we want we want to keep peace with them, but at the same time it comes down to one thing and one thing only in my book and that's money. Money, money, money. It is the largest trade market that we have in the world. I've said this over and over and my and students who listen to the podcast get tired of me saying this. When I went to China, in my time in China, if you took all the Chinese writing off the sign and when we were in Beijing, you would have felt like you were in New York City because it was mm-hmm. Nike this and Pepsi and Coca-Cola and Walmart and Pizza Hut and KFC and, you know, we have such a economic, I think more than anything else, we, we can say military and we can say all this other stuff, but we, I can honestly, uh, I honestly believe we don't want to lose our economic ties with China, and that's what it's all about to me. Well, I may be wrong. What, what do you guys think? And I, I wish I understood more of the, uh, the whole Trump and China trade war better. I wish I understood that and like knew what was all was going on with that. But yeah, I don't think we can necessarily afford to lose that. But um, Sean, what, what are your take on it? No, I, you had kind of hit on it a little bit ago. Um, I think that the walk back from the White House is weird. Um, <laughs> just just with you know what has been said um, in the past, and then, but, but but I mean you're right. It's it's going to boil down to money, um, and I think there's a couple different factors that are going into this. Like if the Ukrainian Russian conflict wasn't happening right now, do I think that this would have been the decision from the White House? Probably not. Probably not. No, um, that's a good point. You know, I so I think that there's a couple of different different things, and it's tough because here's the thing: <clears throat> I don't want war with anybody, uh, nowhere, no way, no how. Um, the United States, we do unfortunately play uh, the part as um, you know the the world police. That's kind of like our job where, you know, wouldn't it just be nice to just be one of these neutral countries for once where there's a bunch of shit happening and all your neighbors' backyards. And guess what? You're like, shit's good behind my fence. So I don't really care. Um, Can we afford we, to do fortunately, that? Fortunately, we, we don't, we, we don't do that. And um, I'm not saying that, that it's, that it's, right or wrong that we do that i understand why we do and i i think that's um you know one of the most noble parts about the united states um however you know this is a tough one like if i'm not mistaken taiwan is um part of the part of the big deal why you know we wanted to keep you know them 
where they were without China dipping their their toe um, with their military was because, um, if I'm not mistaken, it, it has something to do with the chips that are for cell phones, right? They right. are vastly and for uh, everything, yeah, for the tr- yes. for for the for the tr- for automobiles and everything. Correct. So, so if that becomes a, you know, owned by China. Um, what does that mean for us moving forward? You know, if they cut off, um, cut off that kind of trade. Now, again, China has a lot to lose with us too. And I think that's a a big reason why we haven't butted heads for such a long time. Um, you know, it's funny to kind of see like the arguments whenever our political leaders from, from China and the U S get in the same room together, um, and what, you know, each of them are, are bitching and complaining to one another about, but uh, it's interesting. I, I, we're going to see, I, I'm pretty sure that believe it or not, the one that was able to kind of solidify this over everybody was, was, uh, Tom Cruise. Once he realized that he wasn't going to get his IMAX theaters, uh, <laughs> thanks to Oppenheimer, he was like, Hey, got to get in good with the Chinese government. Mm. So that mission impossible dead reckoning part one can, uh, get the screen time on the IMAX that it deserves. So well, we he, have the, he's, he the makes, Cruisinator to think. Oh, well, Cruise made a deal with, I, I found out that the part of the reason why Top Gun Maverick didn't get a lot of more Academy nods was because he had a, one of his biggest, um, one of his biggest funders were, where it was a Russian oligarch. I, and I, I was like, Oh, well, there you go. I make Top Gun. To, yeah, you know, it, I, I'm sorry to say I like that movie, and my wife hates that I like that movie, but you know that's okay. But uh, hey, before we sign off tonight, uh, I want to thank again. Welcome to our new followers. We we gained, I, I believe, five or six new followers this week. Again, our reels this week were great. Thank you. I mean, we had over again another two over two thousand uh, views this week on our on our reels between our between Facebook and TikTok. Um, thank you to everybody who's. We've had some. We we did have some <laughs> negative comments this week, but you don't. Well, I guess one of the rules is when you get out there, you're not supposed to read the comments, and so I guess stay away from the comment section and don't read those and all that other fun stuff. I would like to say my personal goal in this endeavor is by the end of this year, I would like to have a thousand followers on TikTok so we can live stream to TikTok and really broaden our audience. I've said that before. And uh, it's going to have it. And I'm going to, and this is going to be one of my reels for this week. And I'm going to leave our TikTok address on there too that to our 1000th TikTok follower, whoever that may be, will get. Voice of Reason merch, and I am in the hey. process. I am in the process of working on uh, an online store, uh, so we will be. And I and I'm talking with our our our. I don't want to say supplier. It makes it sound like a drug a drug cartel or something. But... Is drugs? It no, is drugs. We are supplier. we are selling it's drugs. Definitely a supplier online. <laughs> the supply chain. Wink, wink. We are the Mark Cuban of fentanyl. <laughs> Cost plus plugs. <laughs> Cost plus plugs is the name. Oh my God! Yes. Yep. There we go. Well, I tell you what. This is. Uh, sorry for my internet hiccups. Uh, we had a, a little bit of hiccup. I'll have those who listen to us on Spotify. You won't notice a thing. You're good to go. But uh, this is why we need more TikTok followers, guys, so we can right. get the best internet possible. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's that's you know. We, uh, pr- probably by the time we get our 1,000th follower on TikTok, that'll be the time when, hey, we need to ban TikTok, and there it is. So yeah, they'll ban it again. That, that, that'll, be our, that'll be our goal right there. Bastards. I know. Well, you do. Sean, why don't you give us all of the, our, our goodbyes, and we'll, we'll call Of course, of course. Yeah, no, as, as always, gentlemen, it's, it's wonderful to talk to you guys. This week has been super crazy for me. Um, as it, and it continues to roll in. I hope that both of you guys have a pretty good week ahead of you. Um, and to our listeners, again, thank you so much. Um, as, as V says, we, we are coming a very long way. Um, you know, in the last couple of weeks, um, we've had a couple dozen extra followers. And um, as the views and everything start to rack up, that means more for us. And there's a lot of good stuff happening. 
um, in our own lives and, and uh, careers on, on our side that are really going to help benefit this show and a show that for our listeners that have been here from day one, we appreciate you guys sticking around and continuing to listen to us three idiots um, babble on about a uh, whole lot of nothing. And so we do appreciate it. Um, and to our new listeners, again, if you're like, man, uh, this shit can get pretty rocky, we'll just promise it is going to be smooth sailing on the other side before too long. We are so thankful for you guys. Uh, be a friend, tell a friend. You know where to find us on um, all the social media platforms, wherever you get your podcast, right here on YouTube and Facebook Live. Thank you guys so much from the bottom of my heart, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you.